Welcome to HSDF the Podcast, a collection of policy discussions on government technology and homeland security brought to you by the Homeland Security and Defense Forum. Today's program is the second of a two-part series looking at how TSA and Customs and Border are collaborating to introduce a new touchless screening system at American airports. Patty Cogswell leads the discussion with Neil Lada, Assistant Administrator at TSA, Diane Sabatino, Deputy Executive Assistant Commissioner at CBP, and Jonathan Album, Federal Chief Technology Officer at ServiceNow. Listen in to learn about collaboration between CBP and TSA to facilitate a seamless curb-to-gate experience, the integration of biometric and screening data, the growth of expedited screening programs, and new innovation checkpoints at airports. This program was recorded on December 8, 2022. I'm going to make a shameless plug, um, and that is uh, our innovation task force uh, that TSA has created. So we have a task force that looks at innovation, and 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 the beauty. One of the things we recently changed. Uh, we're very open about how we use our fees and how we use our money. Uh, TSA pre-check fees we can use for innovation, and this is a place where we're testing things out, trying to enhance the experience. This is where we do our biometrics pilots. Those are in the in the pre-check lanes. Uh, so we do a lot there, but the innovation task force that that we run, uh, there's broad agency announcements uh, um, every couple, uh, every, I think there's two a year uh, that we look for uh, um, examples of technologies that we could test out and things that we should look at. So I challenge industry to, to, to think what would be good uh, that we can test. Uh, if you haven't been to Las Vegas, uh, we have our innovation uh, checkpoint there. Uh, and we test out different things, self-screening, e-gates, uh, different technologies that we're going to start to look into. But that's the beauty. That That's another benefit that we have with, with TSA PreCheck is the ability to do those testing uh, and put those out and try real-world tests with that. Uh, but do challenge industry to provide us your input, your suggestions. What can we do? What can we do better? You're, you're Guarantee everybody here has traveled um, and and you all have had different experiences and we'd love to get your feedback on that too. But those are places that we really, really encourage. Uh, certainly when it, it comes to the customer experience, it, it is a priority of ours. However, we start with security, uh, certainly uh, with uh, the biometric mandate that we have going back to uh, the, 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 the 9-11 report and outcomes, you know, and, and solutions that had to be developed. I think, you know, there's, there's two non-starters when it comes to, um, you know, uh, developing a program. And one, uh, we can't sacrifice uh, passengers, um, you know, privacy or data security for their convenience. Uh, but their convenience is important. And the other thing is we cannot come up with a solution that impedes commerce uh, or slows it down, uh, even remotely. We have to be uh, working those hand in hand. So in, in the execution of the program, and, and this is where the, the beauty of uh, the, the biometric entry exit program, again, it almost sounds like it was overnight, but I think to your point, right, we go back to 2004 with U.S. Visit uh, rolling out, some major investments going up to then, but you know, 10 years of testing and what the right modality was. And that's where we landed on facial because you know taking you know a, a you know a selfie everyone knows how to do it and it's not intimidating it's it's not scary to passengers uh, and can be part of a seamless uh uh, process and at the same time, you know, making sure that you know 
anything else that we add into that process isn't going to create unnecessary redundancies in things that we already have the, uh, you know, the ability to capture. Uh, but with all of the data that we receive, advanced passenger information, again, speaking to the, the air and maritime environment, the land border is still uh, an environment that we're working on in terms of advanced information and as well as uh, in part for some of our facial biometrics in the vehicle lanes. But making sure uh, that working hand in hand, because if we execute properly on the security aspects of it, again, removing those administrative burdens, putting our officers and agriculture specialists in that space where they can do what they do best. You know, we don't have to necessarily talk to 100 percent of the people that come through uh, because we have the information that we do. Um, already. And we can give them the opportunity to be more discerning, use, and I think mentioned earlier uh, by former EAC Owen, the risk assessment, you know, that we highly train people to do this type of work. And what can we do to automate the rest of the processes? And I think as Neil mentioned earlier, especially with the facial biometric, we've automated something we were doing manually for decades, picking up a passport, looking at the individual, making a comparison with technology that's better at doing it uh, than the officers uh, themselves, which is okay. Because again, their role really is to talk and determine intent. I, I just want to uh, give actually, uh, uh, Diane's being too, too humble, CVP, I think, did two things particularly well in this space. Um, number one is way back in the day uh, when, <laughs> um, when they said, I've got all these people coming to me saying, I can't do biometrics on entry. It's, it's, it's too hard, or these things are going to be too hard. CBP said, look, I'm not going to do a regulation. I'm going to put the provisions into um, the CUG that basically tells all the airports, if you want to send me the information this way, here's how you do it. And by the way, if you do it this way, I'm going to save 30, 30 seconds of passenger, which means I can completely redeploy and I can move fat, more people for, through for you. Pretty much everybody took you up on it. That was number one that I thought was pretty brilliant. Number two is when we started biometric entry and exit, uh, airlines were not excited about exit in any way, shape or form and wanted no participation. Uh, I believe we got sued <laughs> uh, when we put out a draft regulation. Now, all the airlines are saying, again, I just realized I can board an A380 30 minutes faster using biometric boarding than I can through the old way, right? The, the the options when you created those type of, it does both of us better, those type of alignments, which don't happen everywhere. You're 100% correct. Sometimes it, you can't get there from here. But when you have those options, those are some of my favorite ones of really you know, seeing people I, I, pull I together. That those are, that's a great point. In order to, but to, in order to create that automation, you have to really understand what those processes are today. They have to be documented and you need to be able to Think about how the work and the data flows in order to get your outcome and then be willing to change it. Right. And that change part is always is always very hard. But I've seen um, different people try to change processes or different organizations try to change processes without having uh, concurrence with the current processes first. And, <laughs> you know, it's going too fast. You know, you have to go slow sometimes to go fast. Right. If um, if you're able to slow down and have things documented, if they're not now you have a great foundation to innovate and automate. On. So uh, I think the fact that we're ta having the conversation, we're talking about the steps, it needs to be you know well understood what they are so they can be changed in a way that makes sense, not just for one organization and one process, but fit across the entirety of the of the ecosystem and 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 the different parties, as you're describing airlines, the airport, 
and all the agencies that work at an airport. Uh, all right. Now I'm going to open up to the audience for one or two questions, and then uh, we'll have last round of each of the panelists for their one key takeaway. That if you remember nothing else from the panel, they want you to remember this one thing. But first, uh, we'll open up to the audience. Sir. Both Diane and Neil referred to Sorry, the, the test at McCarran. Can you elaborate on that? Because I, as I understand it, that's part of what you're describing is the touchless passenger experience. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what you're doing there, and is it proof of concept, or are we expanding to other airports as well? So in the McCarran is actually we're testing out mostly on the at the checkpoint. So there's a lot of new technologies there, whether it be, uh, like I said, self-screening, uh, queue management, um, those type of things inside of there. Um, the two airports we're doing a lot on biometrics is going to be Atlanta and Detroit right now. Um, those are the two big ones that we have. Atlanta being the biggest one, partnership with Delta, uh, and of course CBP. Um, <laughs> but that was that's the big one where you can drop your bag off uh, when you pull up to, pull up to the curb, drop your bag off with your face, uh, and it associates your bag with you, uh, which is also an ICAO requirement. Uh, and then when you get to the checkpoint, uh, when you go there, then you can show up with your face. It's checked against gallery. Yes, we check against you. Compare the two. You're on the manifest. You can go forward. And then the next one is at the gate. Yes, you're on this plane. Move on. And as Patty said, you can you can load the load the plane much faster that way, too. Well, just, just a, a touch back to what you said, Dan. Compliments to John Wagner, because when he took that on, it wasn't very popular. But phrasing things the right way and working with industry was one of the things I think we witnessed there. And, and the progress was just incredible. Yeah, just to say, I mean, I think the cost avoidance, frankly, yes. with <laughs> what it was when the legislation was written yes. to ultimately the solution that was developed, uh, it's it's truly incredible in a seamless way that doesn't, I mean, there's investment that has to take place. I mean, we've seen that and we're working with the industry, uh, you know, the airlines and the airport authorities to to you know, get over the finish line with exit, um, but what it could have meant to the industry, entire reconfigurations of the airport environment. So it's pretty incredible. 100%. Yes. The early days were all about when are you going to stand up something on exit that looks just like entry? And we yeah. all said, so have have a, to. Uh, nobody's going to refund that. question. Yes, um, go ahead, Luke. <laughs> you know, just traveling recently and it seems like every time I travel, I'm always amazed at looking at this line of hundreds of people in the non-pre-check line uh, and then people just sort of blowing through pre-check. And um, I guess two questions there. One is, uh, do we have any sense, any analysis that's been done on the person? I think you said 30 percent uh, of the 70 percent, if they were to apply, would most likely get through. And then has there been any experimentation on maybe, again, customer experience as to maybe other ways to encourage them to apply so that we can get more people into the Trusted Traveler program? Sure, sure. Um, so a couple areas there. We are doing one of the things in the TSA Modernization Act was required us to get additional vendors. Um, so we have two new vendors that will be coming on for enrollment in TSA PreCheck. So hopefully we're getting into a bigger audience. Um, I do think we can increase the numbers. I said 30%. I think we can get to 45% and still probably manage that population. And, and the way I kind of look at it, going back to Diane's point about security is we are taking 45% of the population that we know a lot about, and we can really move that population through pretty quickly and then focus our attention on the other. other uh, so other. is the constraint to just the ability to actually 
process them in a pre-check environment or is there is there out of that 70 percent if if they all applied 60 percent of them would be eligible the, the vast majority would be eligible wow yeah vast majority would be eligible. and would you want them all uh, absolutely and the, is there mo- the more we know about that's coming through I, the yeah, checkpoint again, i'm absolutely. just curious about you know is there uh uh uh, uh a, a thought that maybe the reason why they that, that it's still at seventy percent is because of that customer experience, or whether it's a phobia of the you know the government trusting with their data, or whatever it is that's not encouraging them to do it. Because certainly, when you get to the airport, they should be motivated. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at some other things like um, so. Now, when you do an enrollment, you have to go to an enrollment location, so you have to go offsite. You have to schedule some time to do that. We're looking at it uh, kind of, I think it's similar to the CBP model of when you get to the uh, in, in journey. Um, so you can do it at the airport. You can at least enroll at the airport, um, capture your information. You may not get the you're not going to get the benefit right then, um, but at least you'll, you'll get your application in while it's fresh in your mind. So we have done some of that, too. Uh, I think we'll we'll continue to push that, um, make enrollment easier. Um, yep. So yep. I would argue the other half of it is, especially with the changing traveler dynamics right now, you're having a lot of people who don't travel all the time. And for them saying, so I'll get there half an hour early and avoid a cost, that's probably what you're battling against, right? Uh, I know for years I had to, I, you know, given what my former job was, I had to browbeat my parents into actually getting pre-check because I, I was like, you have to get it. And they said, but we're retired. It doesn't matter if we just wait an extra whatever. And I made them do it anyway. So, <laughs> uh, question over here. Yeah, um, uh, maybe a little more uh, lighthearted uh, hearted to end today. Um, what happens to all the stuff that's collected? The, the shampoo bottles, <laughs> the, the, the wine corks, the scissors, um, or, and even from CVP's perspective, even the contraband and things that are not perishable. What what eventually happens to all this stuff? <laughs> I'll give you that one. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's, there's pretty specific statute regulation and policy with respect to what the items are. Certainly contraband uh, likely destroyed, but then there's certainly um, the forfeiture process. Uh, I'm sure everyone's familiar with the auctions that occur for some of the larger items or things, uh, but uh, uh, pretty detailed, um, complex processes for what happens, uh, you know, to items, perishables, likely destroyed, you know, animals other things, uh, you know, potentially. We, we did give the cat back. <laughs> we gave the cat back. Was there a second one? <laughs> well, there was a dog. <laughs> <laughs> we think it was a chihuahua from the images, but yeah, we did give it back. It was in the backpack. <laughs> so uh, on the, in addition to that, TSA actually has a very interesting piece of legislation. It's actually called the loose change provision. Uh, so because you would not believe how much money gets left at the checkpoint. And TSA is allowed to retain it and reinvest it. Uh, and so they can actually make improvements that are supposed to go to the the, the customer experience at the checkpoint <laughs> with the loose change. I do highly recommend if you're on Instagram, our Instagram account yes. is very, very popular it's and it's impressive. very, very fun too. <laughs> if you want to follow it, you get a chance to see a lot of these different uh, things that are identified. And, and, and recognize what a hard job those guys have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With that, we're going to do last round. Uh, uh, your 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 take key takeaway. Uh, Jonathan, I'm going to start with you. Um, I think, you know, the technology is important. Platforms, technology platforms, low-code capabilities, uh, you know, are really important in terms of making things work less complexly and easily from a customer's perspective and agency's perspective. But the technology is not the hard part. 
right? We can all acquire these these things. Uh, the hard part is understanding the process, understanding the workflow, making those uh, workflow more effectively. That takes time and it takes patience and it takes a lot of communication across many organizations. And uh, we start these projects. I think that's where we should be focused and let the technology follow in a lot of ways. Yeah. Innovation. Uh, I keep going back to innovation. I think we have a lot of areas where we can do some automation. We're, you know, from a from a standpoint, we are looking to get our officers paid more. Um, and, and we are hopefully going to do that in this in this next Congress uh, to get them paid, pay equity, pay parity, however you want to phrase it. Um, however, there it, you can't do this all with just uh, officers and with manpower. You have to do this in combination with technology. So areas that can help us uh, save that uh, save that manpower. Uh, that's probably the big takeaway for me. Diane. Oh, thank you. And I think I mentioned, uh, you know, biometric exit focused on that certainly in the next year, getting to those milestones, but we have a pretty well-defined roadmap uh, to that. I think the next uh, kind of evolution that we're going through is gearing all of our, um, you know, operations in that passenger environment towards paperless, certainly looking to TSA and the work they're doing with digital travel uh, credentials. And what is that going to mean to uh, our operations moving forward? Because we're not always going to have passport books. So how do our operations need to be geared uh, uh, with respect to that. And I think the final piece for us and a big focus in the next year is going to be our vehicle uh, simplified arrival process. It's the facial biometrics and vehicle. We should be putting out an RFI. It's supposed to be out already, but for camera technology that can be integrated into uh, our existing uh, systems uh, and testing really the the um, ability to capture the images, frankly. The matching we know when we get a usable photo is very high, but what we are struggling with is to get usable photos. Uh, so that RFI should be coming out hopefully in the next week or so. Thank you for tuning in. You can follow HSDF the podcast on every major podcast platform. Visit hsdf.org to learn more about the Homeland Security and Defense Forum and HSDF the podcast.